Uh, I'll introduce the podcast. I'm Zach. Uh, Ryan is here today to talk to you about Map- Link's Awakening map tile C1. C1 is uh, on the track. Well, hang on. Would you call... Oh, I guess it would be the track because you can see below it. Well, it's, here's the thing. It's also kind of part of Turtle Rock. Let me talk about the track. Okay, talk about the track. The Turtle Rock Approach Gauntlet has you going through all these tiles on your way to the last dungeon. You come here from D1, and you can see up on this ledge a little cave with, like, eyes and tusks around it. Later on, you're going to go in there and, you know, enter part of Turtle Rock. But I think the intention here is Link walks over here, the player sees this and says... Is that the last dungeon up there? Oh my gosh. It has tusks. You're going to get like excited about f- and finally entering that dungeon. And then you later on you find out that the actual entrance to Turtle Rock is way cooler. Yeah. That's all I have to say about this tile. There's a Stalfos here. A Stalfos uh, above ground. Above ground. Again, there's a couple of these in the track. Um, I don't know why it's a tusk head thing. There's not really an explanation for that. But it's cool looking. Yeah, I think it's just like because that's the kind of graphics we associate with dungeon entrances in this game. And I really think that it's part of a fake out. I can see that being the case. I, it's fun to imagine what kind of dungeon that would be the entrance of because it's so tiny. It's like the, a two by two dungeon. The elephant and the boss is the dungeon. crab. Yeah. So what did you want to talk about? I had, I've got a couple leftover things that I couldn't really fit anywhere else, and I saw this Stalfos and thought it was an Arm Stalfos, but it's not. But I'm going to talk about Arm Stalfos for a second anyways. Uh, At various times through this podcast, I have talked about some of the pre-release material that they had. There's there's not a ton of pre-release material out there for Link's Awakening that we have access to, but some of it is in the Dark Horse series of Zelda books they put out. Uh, Hyrule Historia and, and Zelda Encyclopedia. They've got a couple, just not very many, but some pre-release like storyboard style uh, things they published. And there's a few of those I didn't get a chance to go over anywhere else. So I'm going to talk about them here. Uh, in Hyrule Historia, page 144, there's, let's talk about these three storyboards they show. Uh, the one I wanted to talk about most is that there is a storyboard showing the way that soldiers that they have labeled would interact. So this would be like the Dark Nut enemies with swords and shields. Okay. Where in this pre-release material, they show the soldier uh, doing a spinning blade attack. Oh. And there's like a whole little set of animations that they show him doing this. And the way that they have, they show Link overcoming this is by blocking with the shield and putting the knight in a staggered state, giving you a chance to attack it with your sword. And this is mm. something they brought back. Yes. This is this is, so in the Switch remake, in the in the original version of the game, they have the enemies that have swords and stuff, and you just kinda have to angle yourself around in a very like old video game way to attack them at such an angle that you bypass their sword and shield and hit them, right? It's it's functional. Like actually attacking them doesn't work. You can't do anything with your sword yeah, until you, you get have... around to the other side of the guy. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not it's very old video game. It's fine. It's functional. 
in the Switch remake, they added a thing where those guys will come at you and swipe their sword at you, and if you pop up your shield, your sword bounce, their attack bounces off your shield, and they're put in a staggered state. And I'll put a picture of it, but the staggered state here is exactly that same staggered state that showed up in the Switch remake. Oh, that's cool. So at some point, they actually had that idea to do that, just didn't implement it, and they went back to this game, they said, hey, let's put that in. You know what? I, I theorized that they did implement that, but using your shield in this game because you don't have so many buttons was just oh. so inconvenient that they were like, well, let's not add this if people are going to have to go into the menu and get their shield out anytime they see someone with a sword. That checks out. That checks out. So it's something like that. So that was actually something that I, I ran into after playing the Switch remake and then going back to this stuff and looking at that and saying, hey, wait. Okay. that was yeah. That's an old idea. Uh, well, old surely idea. there's nothing else interesting in Hyrule Historia. I mean, look. <laughs> these books aren't particularly amazing or anything but i have them so i'm gonna use them okay is there something uh, else you want to say there's two other ones real quick okay there's a version of moldorm that they had a rupee spot and one of the sections of the body that you would hit to pop rupees out oh that's cool which is a cool idea that i'm surprised doesn't come back yet maybe it has in one of the games i haven't played but that seems like an obvious like oh okay that's a fun little enemy uh, gemisaur king yeah, huh. Sort of. Yeah. Um, but the other one I wanted to talk about a lot is they have a concept of a boss fight that never made it into this game uh, that is wild, where it's it shows big stone statue uh, that they had concept a they concepted a two-player fight for this boss uh-huh. fight, where... In the middle, like, you're in a room, and in the middle of a big pit, there's, like, the head and torso of a giant stone statue that has its fists out trying to fight you, right? Okay. And then they have this idea that you would pick up your ally, throw your ally on top of the big stone statue, and there's a big wooden stake on top of the head that you would have to pound in with a hammer, which is not an item that exists in this game. Huh. And then use that to damage the enemy. And there's a whole lot of notes in the margins like, this isn't a two-player game, what? <laughs> uh, so you have to imagine this was somebody that worked on Link to the Past, because that, that game had a hammer, coming up with this idea that never came to fruition because this is not that kind of game. Um, and while this particular boss fight never surfaced or anything as far as I understand, like, the concept of throwing your ally onto something is something that eventually came back in the Four Swords games and other multiplayer Zeldas. Yeah. Or, um, you know, uh, Princess Ruto in Jabu Jabu's Belly doesn't do anything that active, but that's kind of a version of that. And um, in Phantom Hourglass, you get to switch control between Link and a Goron, and I don't remember exactly how that's used, but that's kind of the same idea. And It I can... might be that same thing. You could almost believe that um, a Game Boy Zelda could handle that kind of switching control between, you know, single player co-op kind of thing. Oh, it could have, but they, you know, that this is an early, early Game Boy game anyways. And sure. So anyways, that was the last little bit of the uh, Dark Horse Zelda books that I wanted to get uh, into. Uh, those books are OK. I'm going to imagine you. Closing the lid reverently on the Dark Horse Zelda books and then climbing up the ladder in your library 
and slotting them back into place. Yep. And then you turn back around to your microphone and you say, Ryan, what tile are we doing tomorrow? Ryan, what tile are we doing tomorrow? I don't know. Oh, it's N10. 